Welcome to the What If Podcast with your hosts, Spencer Worth Davis and Ryan Copperood. One of my bellmen approached me and he kind of had a weird look on his face and he said to me, uh, can we go in your office and talk? I brought him into my office and he says, uh, something really weird happened here yesterday and, and uh, you weren't here. He said, uh, there's a couple guys in here looking for you. And I said, a couple guys, what do you mean? And he said, well, um, this is really hard for me to say. He said, but there's a couple really strange looking men that were here and they kind of freaked everybody out and they were asking questions about you. And of course, now I'm getting a little bit nervous and I'm like, what are you talking about? And he said, well, they were, he goes, I don't know how to describe them except for extremely odd looking. They were really, really tall. He said, and they were identical height. They were the exact same height. They were wearing the exact same clothes, and they had the exact same faces, like they were twins. And he said they were wearing black suits, black trench coats. They were wearing, like, the old-fashioned uh, Federal hats. They had extremely, extremely pale skin. And he said they came in and they looked around a little bit and they asked for you. And I said, I'm sorry, he's actually not working today. And it seemed like they didn't believe me. So they started to walk around the hotel. And shortly after, they went to the tour desk. And he goes, I got busy. I started to have to bring cars around and get luggage. And by the time I came back, they were gone. But he goes, they freaked me out. And I really wanted to tell you that there were these weird guys in here looking for you. So, of course, now I'm a little bit skeptical and I'm a little bit freaked out all at the same time. So the first thing I do is I run into my security office because I know how to work the security system, and I rewound the cameras, and sure enough, there, here comes two gentlemen through the front door looking exactly how he described. Then the next day, I was talking with my uh, tour desk, and one of them... Um, asked to talk to me. She came in my office, the same as my bellman, and she said, I, I need to tell you about something that happened. I heard that you heard that there were some men looking for you. And I said, yes. And she said, they asked a few questions about you, and they said strange things that I didn't understand. And they were talking about governments and conspiracies, and none of it made any sense to me. But she goes, they were very, very scary. And I said, well, why were they scary? And she said, they had no facial hair, none. She said they had no eyebrows, no eyelashes, nothing. Their hair looked like they had a wig on, like it was attached to their hat, like it wasn't even real. And she said, and the scariest thing, their eyes were so big and so blue that they almost hypnotized me a little bit. And she goes, and you're going to think I'm crazy when I tell you this, but I swear they knew what I was thinking. I swear, and I don't think I'm crazy, but I don't even know how they could do it, and I don't know why I'm even telling you this. She goes, so I started to think about things other than you, and I don't even know if it worked. And she started to cry, and she said one more thing before she left. She said, these men... They didn't blink. Not once did I see them blink. Not once. Not once.
What it do? Hey, player. How you doing, bro? I'm good, man. Here come the man in black. Galaxy Defenders. <laughs> Here come the man in black. They won't let you remember. That's a fucked up line. Well, they're going to zap your brain, That's man. They're going to give you brain cancer they're or something. They're going to zap your brain. I, I do feel like it's kind of ridiculous that... Do you, did you look before we started recording this episode what year that movie came out? 97. 97. That mm-hmm. movie is 20 years old. Once you get to the the big roach guy at the end, it's pretty obvious. That <laughs> That's true. 90s CGI was uh was something. Womp womp. It was really something. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um but I think like it's taken me 20 years of my adult life or I guess like 19 cuz I heard about this first last year. It's taken me 19 years from the inception of that movie to now to realize that the men in black movies were based on sort of an existing concept in the oh, universe. Really? Yeah. yeah. No idea. Thought wow. that thought that was a whole just a Hollywood construction. No, man. That's uh they were late to the party. Yeah, man. Are we by the way, are we doing uh what if you were visited by the men in black? What if How's that sound? What if the men in black are real? Eh. We're, we got to keep this in the podcast because <laughs> you'll you'll all have the insight into how Spencer and I phrase our what if questions. How, how much planning really goes into these? Uh, I like what if you were visited by. Okay, because that's the fun part of it. Anyway, if they're real, you know who cares? But if they show up at your door, well, then <laughs> or what? Don't no. worry. Do yeah. There yeah. you go. You should worry. Do Jeez. worry. Shut up, Kendrick. <laughs> I mean, don't worry. Pro- I mean, it's gonna be weird, but you probably shouldn't worry. Like. That's true. They never really much. like hurt anybody, as far as we know. All right, uh, uh, that that audio actually did a pretty good job of like hitting the main points of what the Men in Black are and what they do. Yeah, but uh, just quick rundown. Let's do it. They are men dressed in black suits, <laughs> hence the name. You should just stop right there. Yeah. All right, and we're done. Uh, they usually wear funny, funny fedoras. That are also black. Uh huh. We'll link to uh, the the actual security camera footage reference. Oh yeah, that that audio goes along with some audio. video that has um, allegedly some men in black captured on on film for the one of first, if not only times. It is a little disconcerting. It it looks odd. Yeah, the audio is pretty good, and then when you pair it with the footage, assuming that those two things actually go together. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's, it's a little weird. It's a little strange. It's a little weird. Yeah. So dudes who wear all black, usually a black suit, uh, Blues Brothers style, um, <laughs> and they go around harassing and threatening people who have either seen UFOs or who are researching UFOs, or, uh, or invest- I mean, it, it's usually UFOs, but sometimes other paranormal things. Um, they often drive, and this was shown in, in the Men in Black movie, they often drive old Spacious. Like, well, no, <laughs> I was going to say like classic American made black sedans, like right. the, the, uh, what was, I think it was like a Lincoln town car or something in, in the, in the movie, but it's like Lincoln's and Ford's yeah, yeah, and they're old, old models, but they look brand new usually. Uh, they often have really bad or non-existent social skills. <laughs> Um, they, they seem to lack emotions. They are usually either, I've heard really, really pale, but I've also heard like dark skinned. Okay. Um, 
they often don't have hair, including eyebrows or eyelashes. Mm. Um, what this just for for everyone's sake, for the listener's sake, and for my sake, this list of cate- uh, like categoric categorical characteristics. Where is this yes. coming from? Oh, uh, this has been pooled from lots and lots of accounts. The accounts. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm going to pull primarily from three three books today. Okay. Um, the first being a book we've talked about on the show before called The Mothman Prophecies by, yes. by John Keel. Yes. Uh, written in 1975. The second one, Visitors from Lanulos. By Woodrow Derenberger. Berger? Berger? I'm not sure. And then the third is uh, The Real Men in Black by Rick Ned... Nick Redfern. Jesus. We're going to call him Burger because it's fun to say Burger. Derenberger. Burgers. Okay. So yeah, that's uh, sort of the the stereotypical Men in Black, but there are variations on on all of those things. And some of them may have all of those characteristics. I can't talk for shit today. Or some of them may just have a few... But their main goal is to intimidate weirdos who report UFOs <laughs> and never actually do any harm to them. Just like do some weird magic tricks so that's and my, say vaguely threatening things yeah. and then walk out into and then the night. Disappear. Yeah. I think that is that is one of the one of the curiosities is like and, and as far as I've seen for most people, isn't it they usually only have like one of these experiences? Like it's not like it's not like some like I don't know. And the and the stories that I found related to this real world men in black, it's like, yeah, that was a really weird night. But anyway, and then life just goes on. It's not like yeah, a lot of kept them showing up in my house, and he kept being weird. And like, I'm I'm gonna get into one from uh, the Mothman prophecies and the visitors from Lanulo. So those two books go kind of hand in hand. Where, um, where is where is Lanulos? Uh, well, <laughs> depends on who you ask. Are we gonna? If you ask, find out? if you ask Woodrow, it's in the uh, Darren Burger. Yeah, I'd like a Darren Burger with cheese, please. <laughs> it's uh, in the Gana Ganymede, something or other, and uh, it's a planet that's a lot like Earth, and um, there are okay. plants and animals and people who run steel factories there, Ex- except none. <laughs> But if you ask, if you ask most people, uh, I don't think it's a real place. It, uh, do by any chance is it a lot like Earth, except that none of the animals have any hair and <laughs> no, and no, no lips, no lips, no, no. That was one. That was one that I saw. Uh, I don't know if you covered that. I don't think you covered that in your list. That the, sometimes uh, they wear bright red lipstick. They wear lipstick to like <laughs> yeah. to create lips because yes. they don't have lips. They just have like a weird little slit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is like that totally makes me feel like it's 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 uh it's like wearing someone's skin. Right, like the Sh- bu- like the bug water. guy from Men in Black. Sugar water. Yeah, yeah. totally. Sugar. <laughs> Did we did we pull any of that? <laughs> no, I did it's, watch a bunch of it today though. Just did you? for my own amusement. I kind of wanted to go back to it. It is um, it is horribly disconcerting to watch. But that he's dude. also not a Men in Black. He's the big evil bug alien. Yeah, for sure. Turns into the CGI roach who explodes all over Will's face at the end. <laughs> um, There's a sentence for you, <laughs> dude. It is. I just double checked really quick. It is. They won't let you remember. That's. That's the, a weird line. The good guys dress in black. Remember that. Just in case we ever face to face and make contact. Yeah, Will. <laughs> Get Dude, him, Will. His, his outfits are so ridiculous in that movie. In that movie. 
every scene he's wearing a, a different like they pulled his entire wardrobe from Puff Daddy music videos. <laughs> Dude, a hundred percent. Hype I, Williams was the was the, the wardrobe. God, was he? I, I, I wish he dressed. He styled it well for that movie. I remember. Okay, so I haven't seen this movie in I don't know how long. I did not do a redive back into it like you did. Don't worry about it. Uh, but I. <laughs> it's not worth don't it. Whoa. <laughs> Especially I, the sequels. Oh, God. The sequels they were made pretty three bad. three of those movies, I think. Yeah, for sure. I think I saw the second one at some point. I never saw the third one. Wasn't like Will Smith not even in the third one? It was like a Tommy Lee Jones, like. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's like the third Home Alone. Yeah. It's a bootleg straight to VHS version. No Macaulay Culkin, new robbers. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I remember in that opening scene, he's wearing like a white tee and a gold chain with like a puffy orange jumpsuit with like, or like puffy orange pants with like a, like a hoodie tied around his waist or something. Yep. yep. And yeah. then he's got, I wanted to be Will Smith real bad for actually, I should, I should restate that. I have wanted to be Will Smith for, for my entire life, like <laughs> since I realized he was a real It's so thing. over the top, though. He'll walk into a scene with that on, and then later in the scene, he'll just be wearing like a bright neon yellow jumpsuit <laughs> with some, some Sean Kemp yes. Reeboks. And, yes. I mean, oh. it was also the 90s, too, so right. Right. all of that was sort of in vogue. Okay. Uh, Men in Black are weird. I think we got... <laughs> We got off on a yeah. Men in Black the movie tangent. Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna steer us back into the movie as much as possible because it makes me it makes me super happy. But because <laughs> the extent of your prep was thinking about the movie Men in thinking Black, about the movie Men in Black, <laughs> reciting lyrics. Um, yeah, no. Okay, listening to real creepy YouTube audio. So, Men in Black have actually been around since the 40s. They have, depending on who you ask. They have the Maury Island incident. Yeah. Are we going in? With with Harold Dahl? Is that the one you're talking about? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you got it, go for it. Not Roald Dahl. Harold Dahl. Yes. Um, yeah, so so Harold um, Harold and his good buddy, it's not in front of me. What's the other guy's name? Do you have that in front of you? I don't know. Harold's out in a boat with a buddy and his dog. Yep. R.I.P. dog. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> we, we did not bury the lead there. This, <laughs> the dog dies in this story. Um and uh, so in uh, Puget Sound, which is in Washington State, um, there the sound is like, if, if you're not familiar with geographic water terms, a sound is like a bay, right? And uh, because in Washington there's a lot of uh, lumber being farmed and sent down the river into the bay to be collected, often there's like loose logs, right? So some dudes, to make money, have patrol boats where they go pick up loose logs so that they don't like interfere with engines of boats or okay. like put holes in like hulls of smaller boats, etc. So they collect them, they bring them back to shore, they make a little money, and it also like keeps the harbor safe. So these guys are out on a let's go save some logs mission one day, and in the sky they see six donut shaped UFOs. Mm-hmm. And as they sort of hover above the sound, uh, they do a Passover, essentially. And uh, one of the donut-shaped UFOs dumps what they say is like a trail of metal, I guess, out of the spaceship into... Donut pipe bombs were flying Donut pipe bombs, yeah, yeah we'll that call it targeting that. dogs. Yeah, and unfortunately successfully dog, targeting... Dog-seeking pipe bombs. Yeah. Unfortunately, successfully targeting dogs. Uh, as far as far as they say, um, dog dog got hit by metal. Dog dog die. R.I.P. Dog. R.I.P. Dog. 
Um, and these dudes, they referred to it as like a white lava or something to that effect, like a lava style metal, which you, is weird. You officially know the story better than I do, so I'm just going to keep listening. Okay, cool. <laughs> See, I'd prep, bro. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's like a white lava style metal slab that apparently like fell hot and cooled. Uh, in, Space magma? In their boat, yeah. Sp- sm- smagma? Sure. No. That's I don't know what that means. Oh, Is okay. that a thing? It's some some of you might be laughing and some of you are Googling and you're going to be really bummed out when you Google. Don't right, Google. Cool. Don't thanks, Google Smagma. Anyway. Thanks for ruining our listeners' days. <laughs> that was nice of you. We will not be linking to anything related. Um, so anyway, these dudes get this weird slab of metal that they say f- fell out of the sky from six UFOs over their bay and they take it home because that's a weird thing that doesn't probably happen to you every day. It, so this wasn't a meteor because it sounds like a meteor. It sounds like it could be a meteor or meteor no, it, related. It, it actually sounds exactly like a meteor. Yeah. Although aside from the donut part. Yeah. Well, I guess do, do meteor, I guess they break up, don't they? So there yeah. could be like small pieces in like a trail, right. not just like one solid chunk. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they've got uh, they've got they've got this thing, this weird piece of space space metal that they take home, and they sort of start talking to people about it and being like, "This is pretty crazy." Uh, they break off a chunk of it, I think, and they tell their story in a letter, and they send it to a guy who covers UFO stuff in like Chicago, I think it was. There were people covering UFO stuff in the forties. I uh, maybe or maybe maybe he was like paranormal stuff, just in general. Well, because this was 47, right? 47. When was Roswell? I think it was also 47. Okay. So maybe there actually was a lot of attention around things flying through the sky sure. at that time. Maybe it got like just more attention rocketed to the yeah. to the top. Um Fred Crispin, by the way, is the other guy. Cool. Um what was the dog's name? I couldn't find it in any of the versions of this story I found. No one it's disrespectful to that dog. R.I.P. dog. Um well you're Dog, your name is Dog, and we remember you. Don't worry. Um, so long story short, this slab of metal, they start talking to people. They send a piece of it out to tell this dude, like, hey, this is a pretty weird thing that happened to us. And a few days later, uh, Harold himself is visited by the man in black. <laughs> um it was just one, though, wasn't it? It was one, which is interesting because I feel like in most of other stories, it seems like there's... Well, no, I guess I've heard it's, versions it's of often both. often one. Yeah. One or two. Yeah. Um, and basically, they're like, you didn't see what you thought you saw. Get rid of the metal. doesn't belong to you. And quit talking about this shit. Get out of here. What if it was just like a scientist from the local university being like, hey, man, that's radioactive. Stop handling it. You're going to die. I mean, that would be sensible. Like if a, if a piece of metal fell out of the sky, I don't think I would be like, check it out, you guys. And like, keep it in my living room. I probably, I probably <laughs> would. What else are you going to do with a meteor? I mean, I guess. I don't know. I would be, a meteor would be sweet. I would be a little paranoid that it would Me- contain wait, some weird. No. Uh, meteorite at that point, right? Once it hits, once it's on earth, it's a meteorite. Is that how that works? You paid way more attention in science class. I'm pretty sure that's how that works. That's tight. When it's in space, it's a meteor. When it's on Earth, it's a meteorite. Whoa. I think. 
I still know the difference between the things that stick up or hang down from the ceiling in caves, though. Still, stalagged. Yeah, mm. those stalactite. Right, but there's a mite too, and I have no idea which is stalagmite and stalactite. Right. Mm. I do remember that. One grows up, one grows down. The, the shit that we were like supposed to learn for what would ever be the reason for knowing that, dude? What cursive? How much time right. did we spend on cursive? I mean, Not I guess I had rights. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. We just speak in emojis now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so that was like the first. Basically, they told their the entirety of their story, which included the visitation by the guy who, which is interesting. I don't think it would be my first instinct if a guy was like, "Don't talk about this and don't tell anyone." Guys, look at this weirdo. <laughs> Guys, <laughs> anybody know this dude? Remember that thing we told you about? <laughs> this dude's telling us not to tell you about it. Like that would probably not. I don't know. It would be a little weird to to have that be your very first reaction to just start broadcasting the thing yeah, that the, the guy told you not to talk about. Because that guy wouldn't have known yet that the men in black can't actually do anything to you. Um. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, maybe he set the precedent for just like there. Maybe the men in black are just trying to troll people, and so the, the whole <laughs> the whole strategy is just to fuck fuck with them back. Okay. So I I actually do have an interesting thought about that. Uh, well, once we get through some stories, we'll talk about like what what is this phenomenon. I would like to go through some theories yeah. at the end. Yeah, definitely. Me All too. Right. There's let's, some fun uh, ones. Let's plow through some more of these stories real quick. Yeah, but just to, just to, the last thing to close that loop is that was the first like documented uh, incident related to someone being approached after a UFO story related to a man in black who was odd and awkward and and trying to sort of control that information in some way. Okay. So number one of 1947. There were there were a couple more in the fifties. Uh, one that really started helped to start popularize the idea was uh, Albert K. Bender, who claimed he was visited by men in dark suits, who warned him to and threatened him uh, to stop investigating UFOs. Okay, what year um, was that? This was mid fifties, sometime. I don't know the exact year. Um, he thought that they were government agents so i think that's that story or that account is what spawned the like i think what is kind of the the prevailing theory today is that there's some offshoot of the government that go out to silence people who are talking about things that they shouldn't know about yeah you you ain't got no business knowing what you know right so shut shut up shut your dumb ass up um and then in the 60s and 70s john keel who did a lot of UFO and all things paranormal research and wrote a lot of books that yep. became very, very popular and sold millions of copies. Um, had his own... You gotta visit. Yeah, he had his own experiences with Men in Black that he then wrote about and then millions of people read about. And I think that was really the the thing that kind <clears throat> of brought it into popular culture in the, in the 70s were, were his books. Okay. Can we uh can we just like only talk about UFOs for a really long time and just be like just do everything in our power to get our own visit? Yes. <laughs> Cuz I'd be really <laughs> really really psyched if we were recording an episode one day and the doorbell rang. Apparently all you have to do is start researching UFOs and make it publicly known that you're doing so. Okay, well, well this would seem like a good first step. We've already, we've already done a lot of uh, UFO topics so far on the What If podcast and we will continue to. So if anyone <laughs> wants to visit some folk Oh, I got us. Yeah, go to Ryan's house, though, not mine. <laughs> um, so John Keel, he wrote Mothman Prophecies, awesome book, 
crazy, lots of crazy stories in there. Yeah. Not super clear how much of it is fictional and how much of it isn't. Yeah. It's kind of a, a theme with Keel's work, but um, that story centers around um, a story of Woodrow Derenberger. Derenberger with cheese. Yes. Who, in addition to being having his story featured in the Mothman Prophecies, wrote his own book okay. called Visitors from Lanulos. Yes. And I'm going to kind of combine the two to tell his story. Let's go. All right. So 1966, November 2nd of 1966. Okay. Uh, Woodrow Derenberger is a salesman, and he travels all over uh, this area around West Virginia and Ohio okay. along the border. Door to door. Yeah. He's selling sewing uh, machines, I believe. Yes. Door to door out of his pickup truck. Damn, that's a life, man. Uh-huh. And one night, he's driving home from work. It's about 7.30 at night, and he's heading. He lived in a, a town called Mineral Wells, West Virginia. He's driving back from Ohio across the border into West Virginia to go home for the night. He's on the freeway, and this vehicle comes up behind him and, uh, like, flashes their lights at him. Okay. And that could just be a redneck though, right? Right. Well, he said <laughs> he said he had uh he had heard something like bouncing around in the back of his truck and he he flipped on his dome light to look and see if like something had fallen out or whatever and he yeah, slowed yeah. down and so somebody was like flashing their high beams at him to pass or you know, speed up or whatever. Right, right. And uh so he speeds up a little bit and this vehicle then goes up and over his truck. and then cool back down in front of him cool and it stops in the middle of the freeway about 10 feet in front of him like forcing him to stop yeah so or did he just run the fuck into it (laughs) no so it 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 slows down and eventually stops okay um totally blocking the road so that he has to stop yep and he described this thing as looking like a kerosene lamp chimney so, you know, like an old oil lamp, it has the glass bulb part yeah, around it that yeah. is kind of narrow at the bottom yeah. and then bulges out and, and then, then it's narrow again, again at the top. Yeah, yeah. So he said it looked like a really big version of that. And it was metallic. Kind of kind of saucer-like. Sort of. Rounds. Usually, though, well, so he said it was about eight feet across, just fairly small, but 35 feet high, which is not a shape I've heard mentioned anywhere else in ufo stuff i guess that'd be like a tube right so it's like a a 35 foot tall cylinder that kind of bulges out in the middle and he said the widest part was probably about eight feet across and it also has truck headlights it apparently has some sort of light or maybe that was also a truck behind him and those two things were just coincidental okay got it so yeah he stops his his truck in the in the middle of the freeway and he kind of like pulls over to the side of the road and a door opens on the side of this big kerosene lamp ufo looking thing and a 35 foot tall man gets out of his tube (laughs) no he says a very a very normal looking man gets out of this door on the side of it okay he's about 510 180 pounds he appears to be in his 30s he's wearing a suit um he's got dark hair that's sort of slicked back and he walks up to the truck and it's raining outside and this guy walks up to the truck and he's he's like smiling at him as he walks over and Woodrow said he looked like a perfectly normal guy. 
okay. got out of this truck. Sure. Or out of this, uh, whatever it was, UFO thing. Lamp. Yeah, they got out of the flying lamp. Gen- genie lamp. <laughs> and as this guy is approaching Woodrow's truck, he says telepathic to pa- telepathically to him, could you roll down your window? <laughs> so Woodrow does. That actually is another one that I've heard come back the up. Telepathy. Yeah, bit, the yeah. telepathy, like mm-hmm. communicating things. Oh, yeah, it's in the opening, the story we opened with, too, right. that like right. it seemed like they could either read my thoughts or talk mm-hmm. to me through my brain or something like that. So he telepathically asks Woodrow to roll down his window, and he does, which is funny because you shouldn't need to roll down the window to talk to somebody if you're communicating telepathically. But That's a good point. Maybe Woodrow said he thought it was so that they could see each other because it was rainy and like the yeah. window was all whatever. For what it's worth, if a 35-foot-tall spaceship stopped in front of me and a, you just someone do, telepathically you just do told what he me says. To, yeah, I'd be yeah. like, <laughs> okay, whatever, man. <laughs> So this guy comes over to his window and telepathically asks him, what is your name? And Woodrow tells him, I'm Woody Derenberger. And he then asks him, why are you frightened? And he's like, uh, this is weird for me. Yeah. I don't, this is. Because <laughs> we don't do this every day, bro. Right. This hasn't happened before. And the guy tells him, don't worry about it. Like, we're not here to, to hurt you. We're peaceful. Just want to ask you some stuff. And he tells him that he can either speak to him or he can communicate telepathically. Like Woody Woodrow can either speak and this guy will respond to him telepathically or they can both communicate telepathically. Got it. And that freaks Woodrow out. So he just speaks to the guy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the guy says his name is cold. Like the like temperature. The temperature cold. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So his last name is cold and his first name is Indrid. I-N-D-R-I-D. This dude's name is Indrid Cold. Okay. And he asks him a, a few more questions. He points, or he doesn't point, because the entire time that he's talking to him, he has his arms crossed, like in front of his chest. Okay. But Woodrow says he gave the impression telepathically of pointing towards the nearby town and asked, what is that over there where those lights are? Yeah. And Woodrow tells him, like, that's a town, that's where people live and work and do stuff right and he's like oh okay where where i come from we have those but we call them gatherings and we're just like cool cool man Uh, still not sure what we're doing here still kind of freaked out speaking of towns jesus i'd love to go home right now (laughs) i am literally shitting my pants and uh that's kind of like they don't have any sort of seemingly meaningful conversation and then uh, Cold tells Woodrow that he should report their encounter to the police and that later Cold would confirm that this meeting happened. For some reason, that's important. Um, mm. Yeah. I don't know. Cold also says that he's from somewhere far away, but it's similar to Earth um, and that there his job is to be a searcher, but doesn't say what that means. While they're talking, this ship thing, kerosene lamp, um, it's no longer blocking the freeway because then, you know, a bunch of other cars would have been running into it or stopping around it. Yeah. And he said it's hovering about 75 feet up in the air above them and just made it, making sort of like a faint idling sound. He said sort of like a helicopter, but a lot quieter. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so 
This whole conversation, he said, lasted a couple minutes. And then this UFO lamp comes back down and Cold says that he has to go. Um, but says, we will see you again soon. Uh, ominous. <laughs> and then walks back towards the ship. The door opens and uh, Woodrow said that when the door opened, he could see another, like the silhouette of another person inside the ship. So there were at least two people in this per- thing. Person though, like a humanoid figure. Yeah, like a, just a normal, another mm. normal looking dude. As I, Well, you could only see the outline of this person, but as far as you could tell, it looked like a normal person. But it wasn't a giant alien cockroach. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so Woodrow doesn't know what else to do. He goes home. He tells his wife what, what happened. And he's kind of starting to freak out about like, that was really fucking weird. They said they're going to see me again. I wasn't really scared. I didn't feel threatened, but what the hell just happened? Yeah. And as you do, he remembers that cold told him to call the police. So he does. And he's explaining to the police officer what happened. And they, the police officer tells him that they've gotten two other calls that night from Whoa. people reporting the same thing. So he's now the third person that has called them within a few hours reporting this. Damn. That's kind of weird. Yeah. yeah. The, the next day, um, he agrees because word has gotten out that people are seeing this weird shit. Yeah. He agrees to do, uh, an interview with a local TV station. And if you go on YouTube, the, the whole interview, it's about 30 <sighs> minutes long, so we're not going to play it, but the whole interview is on YouTube, the original audio of it. We'll link to it. And he tells his whole story and they take him fairly seriously. Um, a couple other people told very similar stories, including one guy saying that the ship shined a bright light down, like on top of his car from above. Sort of like if you imagine the the st- lamp light, the stair, well, or the stereotypical UFO abduction beam, the beam that people report. Yes, something along those lines. So he tells the story. It's on the news that night, and the story in a small town in West Virginia blows the fuck up. Yeah, but were there other people who were telling? The same story or similar stories were they also getting interviewed or was it was he the only one who actually like was on tv to get interviewed i'm not sure if he was the only one he was the first one to and so okay. as a result he received most of the attention about yeah. it tell us the same thing you told them again please yeah and he at least initially was very willing to do so yeah and even he said people would come to his house and want to talk to him about it and he would sit and talk with people about it mm-hmm. um were any of those people dressed in all black and did they appear to have no hair? No. Okay. But the reason I'm telling this story <laughs> yeah, is yeah. Um, that injured cold seems to have some, some traits, some characteristics of men in black mm-hmm. wearing a suit. Yep. His expressions are off. Yeah. Like he's smiling the whole time that he's talking to him. He's, Crossing his arms, even though he means to be pointing at things. Telepathy. <laughs> the, the whole telepathy. General telepathy. The whole telepathy bit. Also, he's like, not really intimidating, but he's telling him what to do. Right. And then and maybe, being like, I'm going to check in on you. Right. Yeah. Maybe that's threatening, depending on how you read it. Right. Um, also, the whole, like, uh, at, like, what is a town? You know, like, right. asking kind of weird questions that are like, Hey bro, if you if you were as human as you present yourself, you, you should would, probably know these you things. You would be knowing this shit. Yeah. Right. Um 
And it, it reads sort of like an alien encounter story. Yeah. And one of the theories alien. is that the men in black are, in fact, aliens that are doing some sort of covert something or other on behalf of alien people. Yep. We'll get in. Well, we can yeah. get into more theories later because um, I want to talk about that one a lot. <laughs> from here, the story kind of goes off the rails, and I think. Oh, I'll, I'm sorry, Spencer. Was it on the rails <laughs> up until now? Re- <laughs> relatively speaking, yes, yes, it was. Okay, I just wanted to double check. Um, just want to know where our rails are. Uh, <laughs> we were on them more or less. It was a little shaky, okay. but we were in the vicinity of the track. Our rails, okay. Uh, we are no longer going to be in that vicinity. Darenberger with cheese. Let's do it. Um. The following day on November 4th, Woodrow is riding in his in a friend's car. Um, they're out selling sewing machines or whatever the fuck he was doing. Sure. And he said his forehead starts tingling. <laughs> and he somehow knows that this is Indrid Cold trying to communicate telepathically with him. Sweet. Mm-hmm. Sweet. And uh, Cold starts telling him all sorts of things about himself, about Cold, telepathically. Mm-hmm. He says he's from a planet called Lanulos. It's very similar to Earth in that it has lots of plants and animals. And part of what he's doing on Earth is categorizing plants and animals. I guess that's his role as searcher. As a searcher, Mm -hmm. searching for things. He says he's married and he has two kids. And he says that Lanulos people live to be about 150 years old. Good for them. Mm -hmm. Good for them. And then he's like, all right, see ya, and gets out of his head. (laughs) A quick update on me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I know you weren't asking, but just a quick update on right. me. Hey, I'm just going to like beam my thoughts into your head for a minute to tell you about my kids. Hey, <laughs> hey, uh, what is, it, what is it, Walter? Woodrow. Woodrow. Hey, Woodrow. Uh, quick biography on me, uh, mm-hmm. injured cold. Um, anyway. Let, let me tell you about the space rabbits, and then I got to go. <laughs> so <laughs> December comes around. Oh, man. Someone needs to draw a space rabbit for us. And uh, Woody comes home from work one day, and Indrid and another guy named Carl are hanging out at his house. What's up, Carl? Uh-huh. So now we have multiple either men in black and or aliens. Wait, so waiting for him when he got home. They're at his house, yeah. Ostensibly the second person in the genie lamp. Yeah, we, we could we could assume as much. And... They, uh, th- and this is going to come up more later, but Woody invites them into his house, which seems like a weird move for one guy is a total stranger who you think is probably an alien. <laughs> and the other guy is for sure. You don't just invite alien Carl in your house. The first time you meet him. I don't. When he shows up at your house. Cause somehow he knows where you live. Yeah. Um, he invites these guys in. And they talk about, they just start going off about Lanulos again. And they're talking about how there's no war on their planet. And they don't understand uh, the word hate and why people don't get along on Earth. And how there's one true space god that loves everything and everyone. Mm-hmm. And they've accepted this and now their planet Lanulos is perfect because they worship the one true space god. <laughs> Bro, I had this image of like... As as you were reciting that, I was thinking like, yeah, why would you let these dudes in and let them babble some weird fucking space shit at you? But then I was like, well, if they can read your mind, you're out there being like, oh yeah, guys, I don't have any like, uh, I don't have anything for you to drink. And then in the back of your head, you're like, I totally have shit for them to drink. 
and then and then Indra just hops in your head. He's like, "Hey, hey, Woody, I know you got shit to drink in that house, but let us in, motherfucker." <laughs> You're like, "Shit, they know, they know it all." So, uh, Woody's out on his porch, just thinking. I don't. That he really wishes these dudes would not have come into his life. Um, and they're telling him about how telepathy oh, that one in. Telepathy is the cure for hate and violence because in order to communicate with someone, you have to voluntarily make this connection with them. And it's so much more personal than just speaking or writing right? because they know more about you. Sure. But you still have to allow them to. They, you can't just read someone else's thoughts according to them. Oh. You have to engage in this process by letting them in. Got it. But it seems a, like they kind of force you to let them in, so... It's a trust exercise. Yeah, but... Maybe maybe they're Not like, really on equal ground in this yeah, case? Yeah, I guess. Maybe they're like, look, we're the aliens here, so we'll do the... We'll do the telepathying until you understand some things. Um, So now we're like halfway off the rails. Okay, good. Let's go all the way off well, the rails. Woody then goes and gets on their ship. <laughs> yes, he does. And they show him around the Earth. And oh, he, yes. They take him to the Amazon first because that's what he requests for some reason. Then they he, take like, prove it. <laughs> yeah. Then they take him up into space and they dock with the uh, the mother lamp out in outer space. Mm-hmm. Um, Bro, as soon, when you said and they dock, I thought that was going down a very different road. <laughs> I got real scared. Okay, dock with the mother nope, lamp. No penises are touching so far in this story. Or butts, butt stuff. Yes. Um, and then he takes them all over the solar system and eventually to Lanulos. And then it just goes, that's like chapter three of this book, and there are 12. <laughs> and the next nine are just like, I don't know how familiar you are with the whole contactee stuff of the 60s and 70s. Ooh, does, that mean, um, does that mean anything to you? No, it does not. Okay. Not directly, I guess. Late 60s into the early 70s, there was this, there were a bunch of these stories where the Space Brothers would come visit us and tell us about how everything that we're doing on Earth with war and nuclear weapons and poverty and famine and all these things are horrible and we're we're ruining our planet and humans are we've lost our way and we need to get back on this like peace and love train and it's very like 60s hippie i was gonna say you know what else was really popular in the 60s right lsd right (laughs) so there are tons of these stories sure of basically like it's hippie like values mixed with some hardcore hallucinations <laughs> <laughs> slash alien visitation and abduction. Yeah. And so the rest of it is just like all the shit about how he goes to their planet and it's so great and so perfect and everyone loves each other. And they tell him all about all the things that humans are doing wrong. And he's supposed to be this liaison between them and the humans to enlighten the humans and raise our vibrations, bro. And cool. all this shit. Cool. So I stopped reading the book. But, sure. Um, I think the first part where he actually sees cold on the side of the road and has this weird interaction might actually be true. Cause I, also, I don't think you go do a 30 minute TV interview without reason. And if yeah. you listen to him talk, I mean, I, I obviously I could be wrong, but he seems, he seems pretty genuine about pretty the whole together, thing. Yeah. yeah, and he seems like uh, he's pretty with it. Right. But he also seems kind of uncomfortable telling parts of the story, but it's, it's a also weird thing to talk about. Yeah, yeah, but then also when the interviewer 
suggests some things or asks some sort of leading questions, he corrects him. He's like, no, it happened this way. Interesting. I, I don't know. So that, that part of the story, especially in the bigger context of the <laughs> men in black stuff, and especially in the context of, you know, people thinking that men in black may be aliens themselves yep. is pretty interesting. And then I think the rest of it was him trying to capitalize on having some... Having that experience. Having a, a platform and like, oh shit, how do I monetize this because yeah, yeah, I'm broke and oh, I'll write this book and this type of sci-fi is really popular right now. Right. Because that, that book was written in 71. Okay. Well, that's a few years even after he, this happened then, right? Because you said it was 66 that it happened. Right. And then I the also, Mothman book came out in 75, which okay. only includes that first part of the story. And Keel came, claims to have had some interactions with this injured cold dude as well. Well, I do like the, I, whenever we do these like type stories, I mean, obviously like I'm making jokes about some of that stuff, but I do like, like, I do like it when there's little nuggets like when he called the cops, the cops said that at least a couple different, if not three people reported having some similar weird experience that night. Like mm -hmm. those levels of multi-angle verification or potentially like, yeah, I, like part of me goes except that it's still coming from the same person that's true but i'm thinking like you know if before the tv station has has him on do they call the cops up and say hey we're yeah. people you know like i'm hoping that there were some levels of it was independently verified verifying somewhere, somewhere yeah. that there was some weird shit going on yeah, who knows so that's that's injured the very short version of injured cold and yep. woody derenberger um I've got a couple stories from Nick Redfern's book, yeah. The Real Men in Black, yeah. that are more current and equally crazy, minus okay. the outer space trips to Lanulos on a giant flying lamp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where everything, everything's sunny all the time. As long and as we you love each other. telepathically with yeah, our space yeah. brothers. Yeah. Okay, well, why don't, we, um, why don't we take a quick break, and we'll come back with some Nick Redfern, who is the first thing I got exposed to about this. And, Hell yeah. And had some, had some uh, what-the-fuck moments. Some pretty weird shit. Hearing some, uh, hearing some stories from Nick Redfern. Um, really quickly, uh, we've been getting some great listener emails. Uh, please send us some. Hi yeah. at whatifpodcast.com. We like to hear your stories. We'll tell them on the podcast if you want. Um, also, you can call and leave us a voicemail and tell us a crazy story, or you can call and tell us that we should do an episode on insert what if question here, or you can just get really drunk and schnockered and like call us up and yell some weird stuff. And we'll probably play that on the podcast too. We will definitely play that. Yeah. We might play that more so than we'll play like your, your episode recommendations. Yes. Uh, but if you want to do that, 612-246-4614, if you want to call and leave me and Spencer a voicemail. And uh, we'll be uh, we'll be back with more. What if you got visited by the Men in Black? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Men in Black. We'll be right back. Just like people have lifelong amnesia after they've what been was, zapped. Was it, it was like the last few minutes or something? I think they could set it. There was like a, t remember? Because uh, when, oh, when yeah. Will blasts Tommy Lee, he blasts him for like they all of the his The lifetime memories. setting. Yeah, because yeah. it's like, you sure you want me to go back that far? And he's like, I, want, I don't want none of it. That's right. Also, 
the lyrics for Men in Black uh, as listed on the internet start with "Ho." <laughs> H O H H H with an exclamation point. It's the, fir- <laughs> the first lyric <laughs> to uh, the Men in Black song by Will Smith. Um, all right, we're back. This is the What If podcast. Will Smith's ad libs never really were on point. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What? <laughs> I love that kid so much. <laughs> uh, hopefully, we can get him on an episode when he's 18. Yes. Um, we're talking about the Men in Black and the fact that I didn't realize that. The movie that we keep joking about is based on a series of actual events, and yeah, depending on how you define actual. Well, that's true, but 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 based on a series of similar stories told by a lot of different people in a yes. lot of different places for yes. an extended period of time, going as far back as 1947 is the first story we talked about today, and then 50s, and now 66 for Darren Berger with Our cheese, guy Woody. and then 71. You said for. Well, that, was no. when, that was when he wrote that book about his experiences. Okay, cool. Right now, uh, I'm, we're going to jump to 1976, so keep, we're going to keep moving ahead a little bit. We're we're so chronological. Today. I know. Well, except that we started with the most recent one with that audio. But oh, whatever. that's true. Ignore that. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I've got two really weird ones from Nick Redfern's book, "The Real Men in Black," which came out a few years ago now. Um. Yeah, 2013, I think. I think it was 14. I think it was earlier, even. Oh, um, was it? Okay. Dude has written. So many books. Yeah. I'm actually reading his one about a Loch Ness monster oh, right now. Oh yeah. yeah. It's they're just good reads. They're Are fast they? and it's it's a lot of like the men in black one is mostly case file style. Mm-hmm. So it goes quickly and it's something different every few pages. Okay. He puts in his I'm not sure if it's intentionally hilarious or unintentionally hilarious commentary <laughs> from time to time. <laughs> the the picture on the back has uh I'm not sure if you've seen this, but it's him. I think I'm hoping dressed as a man in black, bro. You know, what's funny. He's the palest English man of all time. I think that, yeah, I've heard some of his, his, and he's also very English, like extremely aggressively English, aggressively. uh, I heard him in an interview and yeah, it's, it's tremendous. Mm -hmm. You know, now that you show me that picture, I do remember this picture. And I, the reason that I remember is I think you were reading this for the first time when we were on tour and you were like, yo, check this dude out. <laughs> and it, you guys, this picture, I'm sure if you go on Google and look up this dude's bio photo, this will come up. But this dude is in a black and white photo, fedora with like very black glasses, black shirt, looking extremely serious, Nick Redfern is, uh, on some like on some B B level flash photography. Um, yeah. If you just Google image search, his name, it's, it's within the first few results. It's, uh, it's outstanding. It is very outstanding. Great, great job. Bio photo. We need, we need equally cool bio photos. Yeah. All right. Um, so tell me about what's inside of the book that I'm holding. Yeah. The, the first story, uh, it's September of 1976. Okay. And a guy named Dr. Herbert Hopkins. Very cool. Who was a, uh, a medical doctor, but he was doing some hypnotic regression work with a uh, an alleged alien abductee named David Stevens. Um, just that's like you go inside someone's brain, you ask him questions, and like hopefully unlock stuff that's oh, happened. Right? Yeah. So, um, you usually it's done by a psychiatrist. Psychiatrist. Um, but 
you know, lots mm-hmm. of other people like to think they know how to do it. Um, and you hypnotize, but, uh, you know, <laughs> you hypnotize someone in order to access memories that may be stored in the subconscious, but are not able to be recalled by the person normally. Okay, got it. Yeah. Also, I finally saw Get Out last night. Uh oh. Have you seen it yet? No. Oh, okay. There's, there, there's, it centers around hypnosis. Okay. At times. Okay. I won't give anything else away though. If you haven't seen it, I'm definitely gonna. You should see it. Is it good? It's at the Riverview right now. Three Ooh, bucks. Riverview, Riverview. Yep. Anyway, so yeah, he's doing some uh, hypnotic regression with a man named David Stevens who thought he had been abducted by aliens, and uh, they were trying to access some memories about that experience that he maybe wasn't able to recall. Sure. Normally. So one night, Herbert Hopkins gets a phone call from someone claiming to be with the New Jersey UFO Research Organization, um, which Hopkins did not know at the time, but was not a real organization. (laughs) (laughs) And this guy on the other end of the phone claimed that he wanted to speak with Hopkins about his work with David Stevens, the the alien abductee guy. I'm assuming this is in Jersey, so that like maybe made some sense. Yep, this, this is happening in New Jersey. Um. Yeah, so the guy on the other end of the phone says he wants to talk to him about his UFO research and specifically the stuff he's doing with uh, David Stevens. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of a lot of instances in all of these stories where people do stuff that just doesn't make sense or you wouldn't normally do or they don't question things that normally you would question. You just kind of go for it. Like, he didn't ask who this guy was. It's just a guy randomly calling him. He didn't question why this guy knew about one of his patients. Yeah. That was the first thing I just was thinking was like how that stuff's all supposed to be under. That should have been confidential. Confidential. Yeah. Right. Um, and he invites this guy over to his house. He says, yeah, come on over. We can talk about it. Still doesn't know who this person is or why he wants to talk to him or how he knows about one of his patients stories. Come on in. Yeah. Invites the guy over, hangs up the phone, it's uh, it's like 8 o'clock at night or something. It's mm-hmm. dark out. So he goes to the front door and he flips the porch light on. When he flips the porch light on, the guy is walking up his driveway. So within 10 seconds from hanging up the phone and walking to the front door, this guy is at his house. This is 1976, so he was not calling from his cell phone. Correct. And That's- he has no car or obvious mode of transportation. The guy is just walking down his driveway. <laughs> he and, fell out of the sky. Well, basically... And, uh, yeah, there's no car out, and Hopkins said that there was no phone booth near his house that the guy could have been calling from. This is a Scream movie, and he was calling from inside the house from his own phone. And, again, for some reason, he just lets this guy in his house. And the guy was wearing all black, an all black suit with a black hat, and gray gloves, like light gray, he said suede gloves, which... Sexy. In September in Jersey, you wouldn't need to be wearing suede gloves, I wouldn't think. Yeah. Yeah. He said he was extremely pale, uh, super skinny, and his suit hung really loosely and weirdly off of him. Um, He had no hair, including eyebrows, eyelashes, nothing. Why? Well, all right. We'll get get into some whys later. Um, And he appeared to be wearing red lipstick. Yes. Which came off on his gloves at one point, so it clearly was not his own skin or whatever um they sit down and the guy starts asking hopkins he still doesn't know this guy. he never asks him his name he doesn't ask him anything about himself he just starts talking to him about this confidential private medical <laughs> shit 
with a total stranger in his own house. Does Dr. Hopkins later acknowledge that he was like doing some shit he didn't yes. think he okay. Yeah. Um and he starts this guy starts asking Hopkins about his work with Stevens and with other alien abductees that he was apparently working with. Yeah. Um and he described his voice as being very monotone and robotic, which is another thing that often comes up. Yeah. These yeah. people sound like they're some people have described it as like almost sounding like a recording or like an automated voice more so than a person actually speaking. Yeah, like it's manufactured. Yeah, like there's no emotion or variation behind it at all. And it seems uh, like too structured or pre-planned almost. Yeah, I, I've i got a, um, I've got a couple of, uh, there's been just a couple of like conversational examples where it's that like tonality and delivery but also just like like weird placement of prepositions kind of mm-hmm. like speaking in a way that's just off, off. somehow yeah, yeah yeah or asking what a town is yeah <laughs> you know stuff that any person would know we gather please big time hello yes. <laughs> <clears throat> um so after they they're talking for a while and going through some of the the work that he's been doing with these alien abductees the man tells hopkins that he he, meaning Hopkins, has two coins in his pocket, and he should take one of them out. Which, bitch, why are you looking in my pants? <laughs> Get out of my pants, you weird man. He's using his telepathy to enter his pockets. <laughs> While awkwardly wiping lipstick off his face with suede gloves. Look in your pants, Dr. Hopkins. <laughs> so Hopkins pulls pulls a quarter out of his pocket. <laughs> And I'd be like, nah, dude. Right. Well, again, yes. You not you wouldn't no. do any you wouldn't agree to any of these things. Yeah. But that's part of the bit, I right, guess. Right. So he takes the quarter out and the guy tells Hopkins to hold the quarter like face up in his palm. And uh he tells him to to just keep looking at it, to just focus on the coin in his hand. Yeah. And Hopkins says as he's looking at it, the coin, you know, so it's a quarter, it's silver looking. Right. It turns blue became blurry like it was out of focus turned into a vapor and then completely disappeared so now this man is also a magician in addition to being (laughs) a robotic alien from the future or whatever men in black might be with lipstick (laughs) and suede gloves most importantly (laughs) i just have to clarify um the thing that i don't understand about that part oh you go ahead go ahead well he there was a reason for his cool magic trick. Oh, okay, then please continue, okay. and I will shut my mouth. It's not a good one, but it gives a reason. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. He, he then told Hopkins that if he didn't start research, stop researching uh, Stevens' abduction and these other abductions that he was working You're on, you're gonna turn blue and then turn into a vapor. He tells him that the same thing that just happened to that coin would yes. happen to his heart. <laughs> Again. Like the the language and the phrasing is just oh, all off, bro. That is the best threat I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. It's like a kid crushing a can, looking at you like, yeah, "This is gonna be your see face." I can crush his can. I'll crush your hands. Um, he said their meeting then came to an abrupt end <laughs> when the when the speech of this man started slowing down and getting slurred and weird, and the guy said. My energy is running low. Cool. Stood up and sort of stumbled towards the front door. Like he needed to hold on to stuff to get to the front door. Opens the door and just walks outside. And Hopkins says at the end of the driveway, there was this really bright white light. 
and the guy just walked into it and disappeared. Awesome. Hopkins immediately destroyed all of his files that he had related to alien abductions and all these hypnotic regressions he was doing for these people and uh, stopped pursuing it altogether. He was like, actually, I like my heart where it is and in the condition that it is currently in, and I would rather not have it disappear inside my chest cavity. Yeah. The thing so, that's interesting to me about some of these two, and this, I guess some of this does come back up as well, but like, <clears throat> this dude is a doctor, like certifiably he's a doctor, mm-hmm. living like a relatively good life, kind of has a lot to lose, you know, like you your your practice is sort of built around you trying to help people and be credible in the process. And you're like, yeah, no, no, no. Uh, this really weird looking dude came to my house and made a coin disappear and told me he was going to nuke my heart if I didn't stop uh, researching UFOs. Yeah. You, told me he was running out of fuel and ran into a white light and disappeared. So that's why I stopped doing this. Like that story coming from some complete rando in the middle of nowhere it, it, I don't know, like just this, the slight levels of credibility that are lent by, you know, authority and education and position yeah. and like, I don't know. Assuming that you take any, any part of these stories to be true because, yeah, you know, maybe it is just a made up story from some random person. And I, I can't verify that Dr. Herbert Hopkins was a real person who practiced medicine and but like someone that this could, actually right? happened to maybe. Like, if, if you're Nick Redfern writing this book, do you confirm that that dude's a real guy in 1976? Maybe. Maybe, maybe not if you just write a different paranormal book every month and that's, found that's some true. publisher that just cranks them out. And you're focusing way too much time on creating some bio photos that make you look like a man in black. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I like that one, too, because it's the first time that we get the whole idea that maybe they're robots. Or something not totally human. Like yeah. My energy is running low. Yeah. And your speech stop starts slowing down. It sounds like something that's running out of batteries is the way it's described. Right, right. Or like I think of... Um, like if you're hungry and, you're, and if your energy is running low as a human, you don't stop being able to speak. Right. Your processing doesn't like visibly slow down it's like in uh it's like in harry potter when you have like polyjuice potion to make you look like something else and then after like a certain amount of time the potion like starts to wear off and you can't like be the other person right now what <laughs> I, I don't know about that bro you gotta watch some more harry potter all right sorry but like the fact that like is it a is it a being trying to be another being and it runs out of its ability to be another being or like the longer that the bug guy is in his human suit the harder it is and Just, he needs sugar and he starts talking weirder. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They're trying to hold some sort of form that Together. maybe. Yeah. 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 Or they're robots. Yeah. Or they're robots. Yeah. Um, uh, one more. I got one more from Nick Redfern. Okay. Fantastic. Jumping ahead another few years. This is now 1980 in London. So chronological. Shout out to British folk. Yeah. We're, we got, we're sticking with the British case. Well, we got some British listeners. Yeah. Thanks you guys. We do. Yeah. Like four or five. <laughs> So it oh, likes to downplay all of them. By, by the way, we've got a few of those hats left. I think I maybe have five. And I love you guys, but I shipped one internationally this week because <laughs> we didn't specify that that only should apply to the United States. And it that cost one. me like $20 to mail a free hat that's going to take two weeks to get somewhere. So I've got like four or five left. If you want to write us reviews, I'll send you one 
if you live in the United States. Yeah, we'll 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 insert that caveat. Thank you so, to our international. Caitlin, you're fucking welcome. <laughs> we love you, Caitlin. Thank Your you. Your hat will be there eventually. <laughs> eventually. <laughs> uh, but yeah, for the remaining, we should keep it to the uh, the continental U.S. That would be tight for my uh, bank account. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it, for those of you, thank you to everybody. There was a handful of people, uh, more than a handful of people, who took us up on that last week. Yeah. Um, if you want to rate and review us on iTunes, it really helps us out. Um, so even if you don't want a hat and you just want to help us out because you've enjoyed any of these episodes, uh, please go cool do that. Too. Uh, but also, if you want to show us a, a screen grab of your rating and review, uh, we got a handful of what if hats that we can send. I think I got about here. five left. All right, cool. Well, get on it. So you, you make sure you get yours. All right. London, 1980. British people. Yeah, this is uh, Colin Bennett. Experienced some weird shit one night. And Nick is documenting it. Yeah. Okay. Probably not firsthand, but whatever. Okay. This, this is, yes, this is still from Nick Redfern's book. Got it. Here comes me, It's a Sunday night. Colin Bennett is bored. He doesn't have to work in the morning. He decides to go see a movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie gets out about 11 o'clock, and he's walking back to his apartment. And... Right as he's walking up to his apartment, he sees this really bright light in the sky that he described as being like a searchlight. More bright lights. In intensity. Um, and he, he was like right outside of his apartment at this point. So he yells inside to his girlfriend, Mary, like, hey, come out here and look at this weird shit in the sky. Oi, and- Mary, I'm being beamed up. <laughs> Mary comes outside. And as they're standing there looking at this light, it morphs into a World War II era bomber aircraft, specifically a British Lancaster bomber. Not very. I'm not very good at history or math, but I'm going to say that's about 40 years too late. Yes. <laughs> and I don't know what that plane looks like, but somebody listening probably does. Yeah. So I said it. Um, so there's a big airplane hanging out in the sky where this bright light used to be that shouldn't have existed for about, yeah, 30 or 40 years. Right. At at least. And this aircraft, in addition to being out of place and out of time, um, is doing some other weird shit. It is hovering directly above them, making no sound, and it's not moving at all. Not even the propellers. So it's it's like... All of those are very non-airplane things to do. Yeah, so the the way he describes it, it I, I I've envisioned it being almost like a um, like a hologram of an airplane. Oh sure, like a because projection. It's, it's the image of one, but it's not making any sound. It's not moving. It's not right. a. It's it's like a still image of this plane hovering above them. Right. Um. And both Colin and his girlfriend Mary saw the same thing. So yep, they're, they're yep. standing there talking to each other. Like, are you seeing this shit? Right. Um. And after about a minute or so, it changes, the the plane changes again. It morphs into a triangular-shaped craft. So sort of like the typical triangle UFO, black yep. triangle yep. with the lights on the corners UFO that has been reported so many times. It, sh- it shapeshifts into this triangle UFO thing and accelerates straight up and disappears. Sure. They're both kind of freaked out <laughs> because they just saw a bright light an airplane and a UFO all in the same space in the, you know, span of about five minutes. Minutes of time, yeah. yeah. And they go back inside. And when they get inside, there is a man sitting on their couch. 
How do you not run? I run <laughs> I, I, for my fucking life. And that's why these stories are so weird. Like no, none of the decisions that people make are logical at all. Right. Obviously, if there if you go outside and you come back inside and there's a stranger sitting on your couch, you don't sit down and hang out with him. Someone call someone. <laughs> like so Colin looks at Mary like what the fuck do you know this guy what's going on? Yeah. And she explains that this guy had um, been, he came to visit their next door neighbor, John. John wasn't home. This guy said that he should be home in a few minutes. Do you mind if I wait? And Mary says, sure, come on in. You can wait until John gets home. Got it. Still a weird decision. Yeah. You're home alone by yourself at 11 o'clock at night and you let a stranger into your apartment to just hang out. I don't think most people make that decision. Especially if I'm going to bet this man's wearing all black. He is indeed. Yeah. Um, he's dressed as Odd, as the men in black. Oddly and in all black. Mm-hmm, as they're usually dressed. Um, so next weird decision. Colin is somehow okay with this. And they both sit down with this guy in their living room. Cool. And they just start telling him about what they had seen outside. Mm-hmm. And he said, oh, I know. (laughs) Did he really? (laughs) Colin says the weirdest part was that the guy seemed to already know all about it. And rather than asking questions about, wait, you saw a 40s airplane and it turned into a triangle and it disappeared. (laughs) He's confirming steps of it like, oh, yeah. Yep, that's right. And then it did this. Yeah. Okay, cool. He did not, and contrary to a lot of these men in black encounters, he didn't discourage them from talking about it at all. Mm. He just sort of confirmed, he listened, confirmed parts of it. Yeah. And they stood up and left. Like, as soon as they were done telling the story. Great job, guys. Have a nice yeah, night. He, he was like, yes, mm-hmm, correct, yes, check, check, okay, gotta we go. Out. We out. Yeah. Our UFO cloaking device is, is working perfectly. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for participating in our survey. <laughs> It's like those shitty website surveys when you're about to leave. It's like, or when you when you're on a site and they're like, uh, "Would you stick around and uh, answer some questions about your right. experience here?" Yeah, that that dude was a human pop up of the '80s. He just <laughs> showed up in their living room to ask them some survey questions. Hey guys, what'd you see out there? Um, so this guy leaves after a few minutes, and so he's walking to the door and he closes the door behind him. And Colin is like, as soon as the door closes, Colin's like, "Oh shit, I don't know who that was. We just talked to him for a long time. I don't even know his name." And so he, he like runs to the door, be like, hey man, uh, who are you? And yeah, like, right. how would I get a hold of you if I wanted to? Right. And he opens the door and the dude is gone. And it was like a couple seconds between, you know, like door shuts, he walks to the door, opens it. This is weird. Dude is gone. And there's a police officer standing outside. And Colin asks him, like, hey, did you see the guy that just left the apartment? Like, can you, which way did he go? And the officer says he didn't, didn't see anyone leave the apartment. Mm Callan's totally freaked out because now not only has he seen two different forms of three different forms of UFO. Yeah. He then just talked to a really mysterious guy who just showed up at his apartment and was hanging out with his girlfriend and then disappeared. Right. So he goes back inside and he, he wants to talk to, to Mary about it. Like, can we process what the fuck just happened? And like, do we need to do something? Do we need to report something? Call someone. Yeah. And she just, 
does not want to talk about it. Like flatly just says like, no, I'm not discussing it. I'm done. Hmm. It happened, but like, I just can't deal with it. And he's like, all right, whatever. And decides to go to bed. When he's going to bed, he looks at the clock and it's 11.05. He left the movie theater at 11. Five minutes have passed for him to make a 20-minute walk home from the movie theater, see these things, sit down and have a conversation with it, walk outside, come back in, have another conversation with his girlfriend, and then decide to go to bed. Things that should have taken an hour, bare minimum 30 minutes, probably more like an hour or more. And five minutes have passed. Cool. Which is also the only... Time-traveling magician. The only time I can think of that missing time has gone the other way. Usually in UFO sightings, somebody realizes that they can't account for a period of time. Like three hours have passed and it feels like it was five minutes. Yeah, yeah. But this is the opposite, where he experienced an hour's worth of stuff in five minutes. right. Yeah. That's pretty weird. Colin Bennett. Weird fucking shit. I like the I like the image of just like the hovering visual projection hologram right? airplane. Not it's like they're working on some sort of but like it's always off. Right. If if you're trying to cloak something, your 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 intel is 40 years late. Yeah. I do think that is well, so maybe we should start talking about what is that, that's yeah. Those were the stories I wanted to go through. Yeah, I think we're, we're I think, running a little long anyway. So yeah, I think if, we did. We we done did some history. I think you the get the idea by now. Yeah. And some stories. Yeah, and there are plenty more. Like if you if you want to go, uh, if you if y'all folks want to go dig more up, you certainly can. I would recommend Redfern's book is really good. John Keel's stuff is really good. Um, yeah, but there's an abundance of material out there about it. Yeah. We're, we're thinking about starting some sort of a book newsletter. So if you guys, if anyone has any interest on that, like let us know, we, we might be doing some giveaways or we could recommend books that we've read or like reading or, or stuff related to the episode. So let us know how y'all think about Start that. Start a PDF peer to peer file yeah, sharing yeah, network. Yeah. <laughs> Just all about our what if stuff. Um, yeah, that, that is one of, that is a weird element to this whole thing is like, okay, so so I guess the the two main theories are it's weird government people who are trying to shut up people who are talking about aliens and seeing weird stuff and they don't want them to be they just want it's, to intimidate it's part those of people. the cover up about real things that are happening right whether they be governmental or extraterrestrial or whatever right yeah or v two is these are like aliens who are doing some sort of investigating seeing what we know learning about people. But they're like bad at it. <laughs> they're like right. not bad at it, but they're just they're well, kind of bad at well, it. They're off. They don't know. How, they try to emulate like humanity and do human things and be like humans, but they're just strange in the in all of the ways that they proceed. Okay, we we probably have. We should probably go like for ten more minutes at the most. I'm gonna give you. I have five possible options for what these are. Are the two that I just stated two of the five? Yes. Okay, word. Because for a second I was like, damn, <laughs> what do you know, bro? Let's spend like two minutes on each of these and just give a quick, quick like, yes, no, maybe to each of these five. Okay. And then we got to be out. All right. So let's start with the, the first two that I just said. So, all right. Government uh, agents. Government agents. 
Doesn't account for any of the weirdness. Like, why are they being so weird? Unless, why, why don't they have hair? <clears throat> why don't they have hair? Unless, why are they wearing lipstick? Why are they wearing lipstick? Unless, okay, so this is actually one part that I did want to talk about related to the government stuff. Is like, as a society, we've been engaging in disinformation for a really long time, right? We've been doing things to make things appear weird. So is it possible that there is some group of people that they put on lipstick and they like wax out all their hair and they go visit people who have UFO stories so that people who have UFO stories also have these fucking super weird right. undocumentable like you saw a what and he did what and like mm -hmm. you know like that would be the only reason that I can think of accounting for the weirdness is like and then I got it like visited by this weird guy it's like oh actually you're just really fucking crazy because this is right. all kind of you weird. want to if, if the if ufos and other secret governmental things are real you want people who maybe know something about them to as to appear as crazy and uh unreliable as possible right so so the staging whole, these setups after all of these things happen and and there's some there's some pretty well documented cases of that actually happening um Read or watch Mirage Men. Yeah, great uh, documentary for, for a great example. Yeah, of just that. But yeah, I agree that that part would make sense. It seems like a lot of work. Like you, you what? Government agents are going out and shaving their eyebrows and plucking their. Uh oh, all right. Part two. Part two. What? <laughs> That's uh. That, that was our two minutes on on that theory. Oh damn! I know. Okay. Um, they're actually aliens. Ready, set, go. Uh. I can't believe we're actually doing this on a timer right now. There's, we don't actually have like any nope. limits we're putting on ourselves are arbitrary. Um, they're actually aliens. I don't know. I mean, like that—that that to me better accounts for the strangeness of it all and the the just the weird behavior and appearance and, yeah. and shit. Yeah. The thing that I don't get though is like if you are a smart enough species to be able to teleport and uh, cloak fucking inter. Uh, intergalactic space, like you should know what year it is, shit. or at least what decade it is. Yeah, or you should be able to, like, I don't know, just seem. But but who knows though? I guess maybe that's a that's a stupid thought because it's like they could be super advanced in some way. In some ways, like I don't know, we'd be. I mean, we could try to, we could try to emulate gorillas and try to like go live with a gorilla colony, but I we bet you... We'd never get it right. We'd never get it right. I mean, yeah. we'd, we'd get close, but it would still... It would feel false to us. So, or them, yeah. Or that, or that's, I mean, to them. We'd probably get killed within the first week or so. Yeah, right, yeah. right. You don't smell like gorilla, like... Yeah. So, I, yeah. So so maybe they could be good at inter intergalactic space travel and bad at talking. <laughs> and, and it is funny to think... Like, there was an attempt... They acknowledge that we have lips and that some people put stuff on their lips to make them right, look more right, like lips. So right. what if I do it, what's that should be right. Right, right. right. I'm wearing the same articles of clothing that they wear. Standardized uh, articles of that, clothing. That should be guys wear suits, right? Right. That, that should look right. We've seen this before. And but you're getting in the minutiae of like, well, we don't wear that cut of suit in this year. Yeah. Or that suit doesn't fit your weird fake human body right. <laughs> yeah. Or no, dudes don't usually wear lipstick. Yeah. Or you know, like I did like to. I thought it was interesting the the um, 
the intro. <laughs> Those are two minutes. <laughs> the intro clip that we played of the guy reciting the hotel visitation thing, being like, "No, we're moving on." John Keel thought they were demons. <laughs> Ready, set, wait, go. Wait, wait, wait. Let me just finish that sentence. <laughs> oh God, um, that dude being like. Um, like they were six two, they were like I have identical heights, like choosing to be like, this is an average height for human beings. Right. We will choose that average height. Not noticing like they just think all humans look the same, like we think all gorillas look the same. Yeah, so right. default human. Ready, set, go. <laughs> it's like the character selector in a video game where you right. like create the base level version. All right, you, you cut thirty seconds into us talking about them being demons. Wow, how how okay. Why would that be a thing? Why John? would they why would they be demons? Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I think that's the right question to Fair ask. Point. I think that is the right starting point. Um, to some people, the idea of demonic and angelic presences is more more easily accepted than extraterrestrial presences. I guess. I, I'm not one of those people, but um, he thought that they embodied some of the... Um, some of the like trickster, prankster elements I that can, I can kind of see that some version of that exists in most cultures, oh. and some people think that that is a you know the whole idea of the trickster spirit is yeah. something that's present in many cultures and is usually viewed as being a a negative or like mildly evil thing. Yeah, right. And so in that sense, the Men in Black would maybe fit into that because they're confusing and they waste people's time and they're frustrating, but they don't do any actual direct harm Damage, to anyone. Right, right. Even though they threaten to do so. But then, but none of that accounts for me the connection to the UFO related stuff. Like, why do they show up to people who are indulging in and why is that often like the topic of their Maybe those engagement? people would be more accepting. Yeah, but like the you whole know, like stop researching UFOs. Like, what to what to what end would a demon have to like communicate that i guess if they are just fucking with people right. I, mean, like, I, I think that is the idea that it's just to waste people's time and distract people and okay good because that one's fucking stupid <laughs> uh, <laughs> we entertain everything here guys um all right they are tulpas or thought forms is a, is another option that nick redfern presents tulpa is that t-o-l-p-a that is t-u-l-p-a t-u-l-p-a tulpa, tulpa. tulpa. um and I'll try and give the super short version, but basically it is a thought or an idea that takes on a physical being. Let's go. <laughs> so that if one person concentrates hard enough and specifically enough on an idea, or if a bunch of people focus their mental energy on an idea, that that idea can take on an actual physical form and exist in our physical world. Okay. Um. And once it is created, then it is no longer in control, in the control of the person that brought it into our world. So would the idea I be, think it's originally a Buddhist idea. So would the idea be then that like all men in black visitations are are made responsible by this one being this one tulpa that was created or two or whatever or that it's some sort of reflection of our like collective paranoid subconscious or something. Um, that we as humans in the 20th century and our very specific set of experiences collectively created this entity or multiple entities. But wouldn't we have more examples of those then? Well, and some people would say, say that, that there do. are, yeah. yeah, that maybe UFOs are, are also that. Mm. And a lot of the paranormal things that we experience are 
could be explained in that way. Because a lot of people have these shared stories or shared similar stories, but they're it, it sort not of ex- connected. It sort of explains how these things could be as consistent or sort of stereotypical as, yeah. as they are. That is but one still thing. really fucking weird and yeah. sort of nebulous and not quite existing on our plane of reality. That is one thing that as I was like researching this stuff and thinking about it, um, this is aside from who's or what's responsible for it. But like, I think about sometimes it's hard. Like, let me rewind in today's culture where we have Twitter and Facebook and email and shit ideas move really quickly. Right. So like a story gets told and that idea is around the world in you know, in moments. Right. And sometimes I think I personally, I don't know if you do, but like, I forget that, you know, um, Woody's story of his visit in the sixties in West Virginia, like I'm sure that town lit up with news about that story, but like that story probably didn't travel to London or if it did, it, it was years later, it was years yeah. later and probably not even a big deal and, anymore. And it required a book deal. Yeah. Right. Like it would have been a footnote after a certain point. Like mm. I think that's one thing I think about is I'm like, oh, well, one person told this story one time and then a bunch of people are just copycats or, you know, have these weird like psychoses and they heard that story once. So they kind of manufacture their own. Mm-hmm. But I think about especially when when that shit happens from like the 50s through the 70s and 80s, like information just wasn't really spreading in the way that it spreads today. You have, mm-hmm. you know, you got newspapers and you got like mail and stuff, but like telegram, you got some TV in the later parts of that that are that make it like, you know. I still want to relate to that. I still want to do the airship story from the 1800s because yeah. that's a interesting and unique example of a time that even way earlier where information did spread really quickly. I I feel you, but I guess I think about like like some like the details of these stories and how like minimal like like that was like but we don't know if any of those are accurate. Those could all be fabricated yeah. and it, we could be playing game this a horrible game of telephone where and I you know it, maybe not in this specific case, but like maybe somebody had one kind of weird experience. Like Dan Aykroyd saw yeah. <laughs> a limo driver yes. while he was talking to Britney Spears. <laughs> Did you know that Dan Aykroyd knows Britney Spears? Because he so knows well. Britney Spears and he has hosted Saturday Night Live a few times. So well. Yeah. And he doesn't need money because he's rich because <laughs> he knows Britney Spears and has hosted Saturday Night Live. But maybe that one like kind of 5% weird story yeah. gets relayed. And the next time somebody tells that story, they beef it up a little bit to make it a better story. And the yeah. next time and the next time and the next time. And suddenly now you have flying lamps taking people to Lanulos. Right, right. You know, I, I, I don't know. I think that could, that could work the other way too. And that because information travels slowly, there's more time for it to change and morph and be yeah. retold and be inaccurate. For sure. All right. Last one. It's short. Just to clarify really quickly, Dan Aykroyd thinks he saw Men in Black. Spencer, Spencer, Spencer. It's the worst Men in Black story of all time. Spencer just riffed on something we didn't tell you guys about. You, yeah, can, go, you can go YouTube uh, Dan Aykroyd's Men in Black story if yeah, you want to. Be uh, di- severely disappointed. Be disappointed, yeah. Um, they're weirdos out for a goof. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I know that this is the exact verbiage that Nick Redfern used because that's totally a super British way to put that. Like, out for a goof <laughs> is a super British way to say that. He did not actually say it, but I'm riffing off of his Englishness. Okay, okay got it. So just, just people fucking with people. Yeah. It's like the crop circle shit. Yeah, but a little more aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> You're going into people's I would houses. Say way more than a little. <laughs> You're going into people's houses and threatening to make their hearts disappear. 
<laughs> yeah, can't account for why that coin disappeared. I don't know. I've been freaked out by some magicians before. David Blaine. He's barfing up frogs. He can probably make a quarter disappear. That's real. Um, <laughs> damn, that'd be so fucked up. Hey, bro. David Blaine would make a great man in black. He's creepy. Oh, man. Hey, bro, check it. See how I made that quarter disappear? That's what David Blaine should do. When David Blaine <laughs> is like... Replace your heart with this frog. When David Blaine is 62, he should just dress up like a vagrant and walk around and like... Shave his entire body. <laughs> play tricks on people and then be like, no, I'm going to do that to your heart. And then just leave and just... Just walk off into the night. People will be ruined forever. Hire somebody to walk around behind him with a spotlight and a smoke bomb. <laughs> just walk into the light. Smoke bomb! <laughs> just gone. I, All right. Well, I mean, I guess that 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 would that would be an explanation for like if we if you wanted to make the uh, the phenomena carry on, like I know how to buy a suit right. and like it's a really easy one to fake. Aside from the stuff about why would you let people into your house and people just going along with this? Like if I show right. up at some telepathy and if we went and tried to do that, we'd just get arrested probably. Yeah, probably. And yeah, the whole telepathic bit. Yeah. I mean, I guess like that could account for some of it for sure. I mean, I'm sure there's imposters of every phenomena everywhere, yeah. but, but it seems like too many stories to be it, it a bunch of people goofing everywhere. Yeah. Here come the man in, or I should say there went the man in black. Yeah, I think that's that. Um, yeah, man. What a fucking weird one. What a weird one. It's a classic. We should we talk about the live show? Should we make oh, mention yeah. of that real quick? If you uh, if you live in the Twin Cities, May sixteenth, we're doing another live episode at the Nomad World Pub. Yes, over in Cedar Riverside, it's free. Free uh, as fuck. Eric Mason will be joining us as always, along with Sean Anonymous. And should we tell them what we're talking about? Uh, yeah, we haven't really done this before. We kind of surprise you with what our what if topic is most weeks. Yeah, we're gonna be talking about dreams yeah. on May sixteenth, and I think specifically, uh, what if you could record your dreams? Is record that, is that our question? I think that's gonna be our question. All but right, I think tight. we're gonna get all all up into the dream topic in all kinds of different ways. So yeah, um, if you want to come talk about dreams, uh, start prepping some stories to share with us about weird ass dreams that you've had. Yeah, May sixteenth at the Nomad. And us, I'll Eric Mason. Sean Anonymous free 7 o'clock yep and also even if you can't be there physically if you want to leave us a voicemail or send us an email related to the dream related stuff um, we'll work it in there somehow yeah we'll we'll figure out a way to work some of it in as much as we as much as we possibly can so Um, thank you guys it's been real it's been real we will see you next week we'll be back with another episode of the what if podcast explain it to love you bye We'll be back next week with another episode of the What If Podcast.